What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of ELO Punters, as uh, we're having a chuckle because our show notes are, are just empty. <laughs> um, I guess before we begin, we're going to go through the usual. So I want to give a shout out to Derek, our new patron. Let's go, Derek. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. And then also at Ellie of the Veil, that's our beautiful editor who makes our beautiful podcast sound beautiful. Yeah. Uh, be sure to follow Liz at Ellie of the Veil on Twitter. And how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Good, good talk here on a Tuesday night uh, after that sick, sick intro. Um, I think, you know, our show notes have come a long way. You know, I, I was once of the opinion that you needed to have very detailed show notes. You want to be ready for everything that comes up. But, you know, I've come to find that, you know, maybe a more laissez-faire approach with life. Just go with the flow. Let it, let it go. See what happens. You know, nothing's expected. Expect the unexpected. Wilson Hunter would be that. very Wilson Hunter would be very proud of you because uh, when we when I when it was Wilson me and Bryant uh, there was definitely like uh, what is it called like logistical tension tension over over show notes Wilson definitely was like on the far side of one one spectrum and then Bryant was on the other side of the spectrum like and then I was just like doing whatever you know I think I lean towards like not wanting to do show notes not because I think that it's just a better approach but because I'm just so freaking lazy. I mean, high operating. And the truth don't comes time. out. Yeah, I don't. I don't need show out. notes. I can ramble about anything for a, any amount of time. I mean, for a man whose hobby is thinking, that does not surprise <laughs> me. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we're we're gonna talk about that. So before we do that, Bob, have you been up to anything cool between now and the last podcast? I heard you actually played Magic. Finally, yeah, I've been playing some Legacy. Um, I've definitely changed my approach somewhat. You know, before I was like trying to, you know, maximize my EV, learn every single deck, um, play a bunch of different formats. But, you know, I've, I've gotten old and I'm, I have like a lot of other interests outside of Magic now. Um, so I'm trying to basically get the best bang for the buck when I do play. So I'm basically sticking to Delver decks for the foreseeable future. And I'm hanging out with my Delver bros, asking them what's good. And um, so I actually ended up playing Sultai Delver for the... Uh, showcase this past weekend which we can definitely talk about uh so yeah i i still think delver's good it's probably the best archetype still uh and i'm excited to kind of delve deeper yeah i think delver is the best deck probably too i um big life update today i got coca-cola with coffee and you might think that this is not like okay like it's whatever but this is huge to check it out it's like coca-cola with coffee and it's vanilla flavor too this is this is this is really nice actually because like when i take a sip of it i can taste the coffee and then like a minute like a second afterwards like that that nice little coca-cola taste kicks in it's 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 pretty good hold on just to be clear is this a product or are you combining two things it is an actual i i, I literally have a can of coca-cola that says coca-cola with coffee and it's it's great it's great. It's fantastic. It's this is great. I, it doesn't have enough caffeine. I don't think it's going to be able to wake me up. But uh, wow. I would. The future, I, the, the future is here, and it truly knows no limits. Yeah, but otherwise, let's see what else I've been working. So I also played in the showcase. I did really badly. Um, I am going to be doing stuff for the mocks this weekend, which is pretty exciting. Daniel, you're in yeah, the same boat. Tell us about how you uh, like what you're doing. How you got the gig. 
Well, I'm doing commentary for a couple of rounds. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say because there's a lot of information out there. Well, okay, okay, yeah. So I'm doing commentary for a couple of rounds. How did I get the gig? Uh, I think it started when I met Randy at Eternal Weekend, like a couple years ago. Uh, this is Eternal Weekend 2019, and yeah, I basically like asked Card Titan if I could just do uh commentary there. I showed up. I was like, hey, you know, I'm not really interested in playing, but I'd love to do commentary. And I got a couple of rounds, and then I think that was like the first like door through. And then after that, I've talked to Randy a couple of times. I think Jeff Foster actually reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you good with modern?" And I was like, "Uh, I'm not sure." And then he asked me later on. He was like, "Hey, how about now? You good with modern?" And then I was like, "Yeah, I I think I'm good with modern." Um, and so now I'll be doing a couple of rounds of modern with uh, Cedric and Emma. Nice. Uh, I think they're definitely a good group, so they can definitely pick up the slack. <laughs> oh my god yeah no actually there there is a, a decent chunk of pressure like performance anxiety kind of deal because like there's like cedric and emma and then there's uh -huh. me you know what i mean like i mean if you're, if you're only doing a couple of rounds um you know you'll have deck lists in advance you can definitely study them yeah, yeah uh, actually i got yeah. the deck list today i haven't seen them yet and and no i won't tell you about what they are um competitive integrity but uh yeah i'm excited and i'll probably spend the whole week just like doing as much homework as i can i mean it's it's literally only two rounds per day so it's not like it's not even like a strenuous amount of time to like mm -hmm. do casting for and and thank god i'm not doing vintage cube because i i can't cube i, I just can't <laughs> I, just, I just can't i nor like, do i really have that much interest in figuring out math building a mana I thought, base I, I thought you'd prefer vintage cube because it's more of the the legacy cards in it whereas modern's more like you know what i mean well less of le power cards that no you know I think working with like like Team Lotus Box and like Zan specifically has gotten me a little bit more into modern. Plus, like I feel like just even like uh, like Bob, you had mentioned this before, but like one of the easiest things to do to like sort of grow the player base or the viewer base for the like channel Twitch channel or whatever is just like to do not legacy. And so modern seems like a much easier like port than something like cube. I, I don't know. Like cubing is also hard because I just make bad decks and then I have no desire to play the bad decks. Yeah, you you, you'll definitely need to study my deck list carefully. It's pretty complicated and contrived. You might, uh, you definitely got to study that one in advance. For sure. <laughs> All right. So what else do we have? Do you want to move on to the first topic? Uh, well, let's let's do the Twitter question, which is I guess topic zero, which is from at Cali Zade. Uh, what is the best build of Delver at the moment? Uh, and so my, in my opinion. Um, you know, we've actually seen so many different uh, viable Delver decks post ban. Um, I can, I would say, like maybe six different Delver decks are playable, and I would say the different Delver decks that are playable are six decks. Snap call. Yeah. What, what are they? What six? Delver decks? Literally just six different. I, I could go to ten if you really wanted me to stretch. Okay, but, uh, snap okay. call that too. You can't uh, go. To, there's no way you could go to ten. All right. Well, yeah, let I me get started. So blue red Delver with Wasteland. Uh, blue red prowess delver without wasteland uh teamer delver uh with out uro or mongoose teamer delver with uro teamer delver with mongoose blue black shadow uh with delver and i guess this doesn't count but blue black shadow also can be without delver um and, and then, then it's not a delver have, deck <laughs> it's not a delver deck okay i won't even count that i'm already at six uh Grixis uh, Delver. Seven, Grixis Delver. And, Jeskai Delver. And 
I don't know if we want to go there. I mean, people have certainly tried it, and but I don't know. I'm at seven. Salty so Delver, Bug Delver. Did you say? I think that? I kind of, or I mean, maybe I didn't even say Salty Delver. Salty Delver. That's eight. That's eight. Um. So there you go. You sound like the kid like at school who like for their essay topic or question or just like writes some like big ass like paragraph of horseshit halfway through you know where they just say like one sentence but they like code it with so many words i i say this because i've done it before so i know exactly oh, what it's a, like is that a common strategy i thought i was the only one who did that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um okay i, so, I so you, sort of, you sort of lost me when you kid. said when you said rug delver without mongoose rug delver with yeah, mongoose, the mongoose thing. <laughs> and yeah. then rug delver with or like what do we also categorize rug delver with mongoose and uro as its own separate thing but wait well, that doesn't exist, so maybe you can go build it. But uh, back to the actual question at hand, which is out of these different variants of Delver, which do I think is the best? And I, I tend to agree with Daniel. I think he has a similar opinion. Um, you basically, you know, you want to play Delver, you want to play Lightning Bolt and Fire Blast, so you want Blue, Red, X. And so personally, um, I think I, Wasteland is also a card that I would really like to play in my Delver decks. Uh, you're, you definitely have some holes in certain matchups if you don't play Wasteland. So I am personally between two options right now, Blue Red Delver with Wasteland and Team Red Delver with Uro. I think those two um, have performed the best this past weekend and are likely uh, my favorite candidates for playing Delver going forward. Yeah, my favorite Delver deck. I'm going to tune it more because I think there's a PTQ in two weeks. So when it gets closer, I'll probably play a bit more. Is uh, Rug Delver with Uro. I like this deck a lot. Um, but because basically what I realized is I look through legacy decks and I feel like when you have Sylvan Library and Uro, people don't really have that good ways to beat those cards. So I feel like if I have those cards in my deck, it's kind of hard for my opponents to beat me sometimes. And um, if the game drags on and I feel like uh, I'm trying to think the, the right word for one second. It's kind of weird. Um, how do you say? Oh, yeah. So I, I saw that the Vuk list was doing pretty well the last weekend. It was kind of interesting. But um, I feel like the Rug Delver list with Earl it just, uh, and Delver could just have the best threats because you like the list I have right now has like a couple Goyf, a couple Mandrills, four Delvers. So that's your main vanilla creatures. And those are pretty big. Like if you play against Swiss Spear decks, like the Vuk deck's probably going to have some issues with, with, with Hooting. Like the other Delver decks are going to have some issues with Goyf and Mandrills, especially the blue-red variants. Um, and then on top of that, like they're playing sprite dragons or whatever, so you have you could just pyroblast the sprite dragons. Like it's pretty, um, it's not it's not a blowout, but it's like pretty rougher than they can just pyroblast their sprite dragon. And um... so my counter argument is, I, I agree, Goyf is probably the best um, like secondary threat in, in the mirror. Uh, but on the other hand, like the blue red Delver deck gets to play basic lands, so that's also a big win. Uh, and also, uh, you know. Against control decks, I think you would rather have Pyromancer rather than Goyf. Well, uh, I, so I, I feel like the Uro decks like kind of like really good against control decks because I played it last week and I played against three control decks in the Swiss and like I had three Sylvan Library main and three Uro main. So what would happen is if they were trying to interact with my threats, it was really hard for them to interact with Library or Uro because I could just play those cards and if they had removal spells, they wouldn't work. They would need like Decay or something like that. So then they would need to stick their own threats, but then it was really hard for them to resolve a threat past Delver. Especially, I noticed that since Astrolabe is gone, the control decks got a lot worse because it's really hard for them to like have that five color mana that doesn't get wastelanded. 
So, for example, what I mean by that is in the past when I would play Delver and if both players had Uro, the Snow player would win with the Uro because the Snow player would have Astrolabe and all basics. But now they don't have that, so their mana is kind of rough. So your Uro, you can actually Wasteland them. Basically, like I think it's hard for the control decks to beat a Delver deck that has like Uro and Library because they can't really beat that by interacting. Whereas if you play like all creatures, they can just interact with all your creatures. So your deck's more two-dimensional, if you see what I mean. I mean mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, I definitely agree that your shell is, is much stronger against control than something like, you know, Blue Red Delver or Grixis Delver. Uh, I guess I was just making the point that Tarmogoyf is not good against control, but I guess, um, you know, if you have the best secondary threat against Delver, which is Goyf, and then you're already good against control, then you kind of have both those bases covered. I played <clears throat> I played Daniel's deck last night, and I played the, the challenge-winning list last night as well. And I got to say, uh, I did better with Daniel's deck, maybe more so because it's like uh, <clears throat> in-house to like the kind of play that I am more used to. Like just because Daniel's drug Delver deck, just to, to clarify, right? So it's like four Delvers, four Dazes. Okay, cool. You got your Brainstorms and your Ponders. The kicker is like how you f- adjust the flex slots, right? So it's like two Tarmogoyf, two Hooting Mandrels, three Sylvan Library, three Uro, no Spell Pierces, uh, two Force Negations, uh, that sort of thing, right? And that's basically just like a rug mid-range deck that conveniently has Delver of Secrets for when Delver is good. So I'm going to talk about this real quick too. But yeah, I played that one to a 4-1. And then with the blue-red list, I, I went 3-2, and two, had Stifle. And I, it just felt like the rug Delver deck was a lot more better. I, it's bad grammar, but that's just what it is, right? Like, it just felt smoother. Sylvan Library made a lot of the draws better. I think I also got lucky with some of my matchups, too, because I played against Control twice, then I played against Rug Delver once, and uh, <clears throat> I Sylvan Library was incredible in all three matches. I think Clothus was incredible in all of those matches. Cap, though, the one match that I did lose, Daniel, and this is just some input that I'm going to give you. I lost to Enchantress, and it makes sense. Oh, because you've got two main deck copies of a braid because uh, you want to interact with artifacts. That's something that you had mentioned uh, earlier. <laughs> Obviously, Wait, when you have... So you this know, is an updated list from Sense the Showcase, then? Yes. Yeah, and you yeah, can, I cut the Mishra's bobble. They underperformed uh, to my despair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, let's talk about that real quick, because it's an interesting card choice, and it's a card that I've you know considered playing in Delver. People are playing it in Miracles. Um, obviously, it has some synergies with Charmagoy for flipping the Delver. Uh, you know, wh- why do you say it underperformed? So, yeah, I played four ball because... So since the bans, I haven't really played Legacy. I played, like, one league the first week. So um, I didn't really test this deck that much, so it was just theory crafting. And I was looking at the deck, and I'm like, okay, like, let's say my opponent plays Gurmag Angler. W- what do I do? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of rough. So I'm like, well, I could play Goyf, but my Goyfs are smaller. I could play Hooting Mandrills, but they're smaller. So I was like, okay, okay, cut the Hooting Mandrills, I'll play four Goyfs, and I'll play Bobble. So my Bobbles, my, my Goyfs is just going to be bigger than their Anglers. Now Angler is not an issue. Also, something else was like, part of the problem with Bobble is like, if you draw random lands, you can't really use them that well. Um, but Uro kind of fixes that, because now you can use any, when you have Uro, every random card you draw is good, because if you draw lands, you can use them and escape and so on. And Uro gives directions to every card you get, because any card you can cast is just good with Uro. And then... Um, I was like, also, like, it can help flip Delver, so even though the instant sorcery count goes down, it's going to be fine. Also, I wanted, I didn't know what to put in my last slots, and I wanted to put more cantrips, but I didn't want to cast Preordains, because my deck was super clunky with Tarmogoyf and Library and all that. So I'm like, it's kind of like a free cantrip so that I can find my good cards more. 
But then the way it kind of played out was it was kind of clunky that I had to wait a turn to draw a card. It was just like didn't, it felt kind of rough around the edges. Important problem. Yeah, and and no nobody was really. I didn't see a lot of Gurmag anglers, so like I thought it would be really relevant that my Goyf would be bigger, and it ended up not being that relevant. Also, a lot of my opponents were just naturally playing artifacts, so artifacts were going to the graveyard anyway. So it was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Wait, so why is Gurmag angler a problem if you have Uro? You just can't resolve Uro in the matchup. Well, I've, yeah, well. I, I mean, maybe Grixis Delver is a good matchup, but basically, like one dichotom- one aspect of the de- of the Delver mirror is the Houdin- the Delve creatures are so good because when people are trying to deny each other mana with Wasteland and Days, and some people play Stifle, even I, I shudder to mention it, but people people play um yeah when people when people a lot of games people are tight on mana because what will happen is people play cheap creatures that are like one or two mana, so like Delver, and then like maybe there's some two drops going around like Young Pyromancer or um, Tarmogoyf. And then the people are wasting each other, and nobody wants to really get dazed. So what happens is sometimes games are really tight on mana, basically. Like your opponent goes like, "Play Delver, waste you, waste you." Like play Delver, can't you know what I mean? So then it can be hard to resolve Uro in those games. Or like basically, if your opponent plays an Angler, they can kill you before you can resolve Uro because it takes a lot of resources to get it going. But obviously, Uro's good in the mirror. But I didn't want to like have my only way to beat beat Angler, beat beat Uro. But then I realized it's probably not that relevant. And also, yeah, maybe with Uro. And library, it could be like kind of fine. I'm not sure exactly. The thing about Uro and libraries, it's actually kind of a new thing in Legacy, so it's not. It's kind of underexplored a bit. Like people might say, okay, library is not that good in like these matchups, but since Uro makes library so much better, it kind of flips the script a little bit. Library is just better in general. Also, there's one powerful combo is that that Delver actually does well because you might think, well, um, Uro puts an extra land into play, and you know Delver can't really use it that well because it doesn't put lands into play. But the extra land ability might even be better than Control Decks in Delver because what I noticed is. If you go turn two library and then you play Uro turn three and you put Wasteland into play, that's actually like huge because Wasteland's not a land, it's like a spell. You basically just got to Wasteland them for free. The Uro put into play, the library drew the cards, you have so many cards, you're not going to flood because you have Uro to escape. I actually noticed that's really strong. You go Uro, wa- Uro into Wasteland. Like imagine if you're on the play, like you're just ramping now because now you, you even have all your three lands in play. You're going to untap with four lands, you got to Wasteland them, you put Uro in the graveyard, you have library, and all that took is library Uro. You know what I mean? Like you can multi five and have library Uro and land and that. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I have a question well, then because like, I, so this is just me like looking into like the, 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 the minutia of it. Maybe this is not important, but how, how do you use that against, do you, do you keep like libraries and against like Delver, the mirror? Well, my plan in the mirror, um, I can try and pull up my list so I can see it more visually, but I would, in the last format when I was playing early Delver, I was signing out a library in the mirror. Um, but it's kind of, it kind of, it kind of can depend on your opponent's strategy. Cause the thing about library is like some, some games of the Delver mirror, um, people play just cast creatures, and it can be really punishing if you play library because you don't have like an, a, an abundant amount of removal spells. Or, or let me try and find a better way to put this. So, like in the Delver Mirror, it's kind of like there's a lot of um, interaction, so both players interact with each other a lot. So that means like grindy cards can be really good some games because some games the games go really long and they're like kind of uh, it's hard for people to stick a threat. Everything dies. So then card advantage spells can be good, but also at the same times. When people play creatures, creatures can be like better threats because creatures can be hard to remove and they also generate value and then a creature will beat a library. But I would say with a new Uro, I'm not sure. Like I'm looking at my list that I played and I would probably side out Force of Will and Force of Will, Force of Negation. Maybe because I have Force of Negation main, I might not move libraries. So I would say I'm unsure. Like it depends on my sideboard is built and how aggressive they are. Like against the Prowess version, I would feel fine siding out library. Like they're not really going to grind with you as well into the late game. Um, because they have all these cards like Swift Spear and like they're just aggressive and burn spell head base. But if I'm playing against like Saltite Delver with you know like four Bobs and four Uros, then Library is a lot better. So, 
um, if that answers the question. Like, so it would depend yeah. on their build and how my cyborg is built. Okay. Yeah. I if I have to give like my personal take, I would say that. I'd probably just play the Rugdelver deck, Daniel's Rug deck, like with Uro and Library. I think Library and you would play and... three of each. Yeah, yeah, I'd go that far. I think, I think even okay. in, even in uh, the the Bug deck, Bob, like I think that Library is probably just better than Dark Confidant because of Uro. Um, it's it's just a little bit more resilient. Doesn't die to removal. You know, you probably Plague Engineer. Yeah, right a enough, lot of things. Yeah, my, my issue with the Confidants was not necessarily the removal. Um, I mean, that is an issue, but oftentimes you're Delaware, you have the counter magic to protect your threat. My issue was I was just losing random games to flipping Force of Will, and obviously that's why you play Uro in the deck to gain the life back. But, you know, I lost, like, five life is no joke, okay? That's like, you know, more almost two lightning bolts. And when you do it against a control deck, um, it's not fun. Like, there, there were games where I probably misplayed by playing at the second Bob. I was at, like, you know... 13 life, they had nothing going on. I, I wanted to play the second Bob in case they had a, drew a removal spell. And then I just, like, you know, take eight the next turn, and then I'm like, oh, shit, well, now I'm about to lose. Um, or, or I, like, I went from, like, a super ahead position to a position where I, like, could lose and ended up uh, losing. So, anyways, that's why I'm done with uh, Robert Confidant, at least in Delver. Um, but kind of circling back to Team or Delver, I, I like... The idea of bobble, I don't think you have to play four. Like, you know, if you're playing four timer goyf in your deck, play one bobble, play two bobbles. I think that's totally uh, reasonable and, you know, uh, another path yeah, I would Fuck it, let's explore. just play predict as well. Yeah, let's go. I'm down. I'm in. Easy. I don't, I don't understand. How does predict have anything to do with the synergies of Delver? Get out of here. What What are you talking about? Delver reveals a card, you mill it oh with predict. Oh my god. Where bobble reveals a card, into? you mill it with predict. Bob, yeah. you've basically I mean, I, I, created the 11th archetype of Delver. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could uh, you could also play a short amount of bobbles, but I, I just found that uh, it was pretty. Whenever I drew them, I was I was not uh, not vibing with the bobbles. They weren't. Really yeah, I mean, vibing. it is definitely one of those cards that it's like when it's in your opener, it's like a pretty good card. Uh, when it's not, then it can be awkward. Yeah, and even in my opener, it would kind of be like hard to sequence. Like even I was like, for example, I was like, oh, it's gonna help me flip the Delphers, but I always like was like. Well, I kind of want to draw right away because I have like ten free counter spells in my deck, so like it's kind of awkward if I don't draw a card. But but yeah, I mean I could also see playing a little bit of bobbles, like if angler and you want to replan a bit. But that's why I put two mandrels, two goif, so it's like it's not as much on the goif. And also yeah, I felt a bit of the two drops. But also yeah, yeah. I wanted to say quickly because the there's three libraries, three arrow. It looks kind of weird, but it's kind of like you want to draw exactly one of both of those cards, but you always want to draw one of them. So that's why I have three of each. But I could I could see changing the numbers over time. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like legends. So yeah, they they certainly are are have that aspect. Like the second one's way less good, but at least extra arrows you can pitch the force, which comes up you know fairly frequently. Uh, okay, let's let's get into kind of the rest of the showcase challenge. So it was won by Blue Red Delver. Uh, this deck just feels like a really solid deck. Uh, the only thing, well, actually, I guess I do have a a few comments on this deck. Uh, one comment is I think Forked Bull is like a great removal spell right now. People are playing Brazen Borrowers, Young Pyromancers, Hex Drinkers, Dark Confidants, um, Baleful Strix. Like, it's just like, and people are playing Death and Taxes and Elves. Um, as long as people don't play, you know, large quantities of Vermag Angler, I think I want to be playing, you know, two Forked Bolt as the extra removal spells. That's my personal opinion. 
Um, second thing is more just a, a random comment, but Ethereal Forager was two tickets before the bans and is currently 40 tickets. I literally holy cannot moly. find that card holy anywhere. Holy Yeah. I don't even know why it went up because this is not a $40 card. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and it doesn't see that much play either. It sees play a little like a two of in Blue or Delver, and then maybe a two or a three of in Death Shadow. So I'm just I'm just really confused where this extra demand is coming from. But anyways, um, kind of back on topic on the Delver deck. Uh, it seems just like a very solid Delver deck. You know, you get to play Blood Moon. Uh, I think when the meta game shifts towards being you know Moon Stompy, Death and Taxes, like we saw that bat this cycle happened many times before. Um, and Daniel won, you know, GP Niagara Falls. Uh, and around that time, people were playing, you know, Blue White Stone Blade, Blue Red Delver to beat like the Moon Stompy deck. So depending on how the meta shifts, I think Blue Red Delver definitely is a is a tool to have in the arsenal. Yeah, I mean, looking at the second place list here, this is where I I have a lot of thoughts. And I'll just say it: I'm really happy that Meshing got Meshing the Machine got second place, but. I just cannot get behind this Bant deck. I think it's just like Pyroblast will forever be my crutch. Like Bant is just such like a uh, medium color combination when it comes to control. But like, I also feel like if you ever play control, you just have to play Swords to Plowshares. It just is what it is. Like you could try to build bug control, but you will lose a lot of matchups and you tell like a lot of cards that you have no business losing games to. And then you get Bant and then you just get like... Sylvan Library on turn two, and like you just lose, right? Like as long as Uro exists in the format, Sylvan Library will be an incredibly powerful card. And this list has like no good way really to answer it. Like you've got a couple of Teferis and um, Council Judgment, which is you know more uh, answers that I'm used to. But it ju it just feels like the kind of card that and like. Narset? Yeah, Nar Narset is fine. I think Narset's like okay. In my in my experience, Narset just dies very aggressively like to bolt and creatures that are in play and things like that um the the passive like even like for like hull breacher too like these cards like are very temporarily only good against cards like sylvan library because like if you think about how the games like min max out you're just not going to come into a board state like if you come into a board state where you can resolve narset and there's nothing else and you can tick down and it doesn't die to a removal spell you've probably already won the game like it could it could be something else. You well, know what, what I mean? can happen is when, sometimes when I play Delver, I'll play Library, and I'll be like, okay, if I untap with Library, I'm gonna win. But if they have like Hull Reacher and Narset, I'm gonna lose. So that's why uh, it can be scary in that sense. Like, but uh, you know, when you but go for the Library, time, like, that's all you have. You're playing Library on turn two. You have days. You have more counter spells. Like, it's gonna be hard for a control deck to resolve a three drop. Yeah, that's my thought process too. The three drops really are not what I want to be my answer to library right because not only now do you have to get to three mana through wasteland and days you <clears throat> well yeah i mean that that was the kicker day days is also just gonna like cause huge problems when you're like you know you know what i mean like when your answers are more expensive than the threats that are being played that is <clears throat> a huge recipe for disaster just like from a control perspective in general but right? I, that's I think why, that's just like that's just the fact of self and library right it just kicks ass against controlled decks and there's not very much you can do about it unless, you know, before you could play Abrupt Decay in your, you know, four-color control deck with Astrolabes, but now you definitely have to make deck-building decisions. Like, if you're playing Abrupt Decay, um, how are you going to also play Swords of Plowshares and have a decent mana base? So I think that's more, maybe that's uh, one of the problems that control decks face right now is they can't really play Decay and Plow.
Yeah, I mean, I think this list is still pretty solid, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, if you're not playing against uh, Delver and you're not playing against Control, uh, or any... Okay, well, let's just, we'll start there, right? <laughs> if you're not playing against Delver and you're not playing Control, I think this list is pretty decent, right? Uh, you got a lot of cool tools in the main deck, and then in the sideboard, you're, you're pretty well-equipped. Now, when you're playing against Delver, I think you have a reasonable game one, but the problem cards in Delver, the reasons why Delver can be a tricky matchup... Uh, I don't know if I see much of a solution for that. Um, that's just my take on it. Like looking at the list I, right now, I don't. So, so basically, this is like the this is the same list that won the challenge a couple weeks ago with like maybe like a couple minor swaps, like cutting a spell pierce for a force of negation. So it's got like you know two Jaces, one Narset, two Teferi, two Ice Fangs, two Snapcasters, and three Euros. Judgment, you know, Library, Shark Typhoon, Main Deck, Carpet of Flowers, that sort of stuff, right? And I, I think, I think like toe-to-toe -to -toe, you'll probably be fine uh assuming a couple cards aren't played and those cards are it's basically like any of the card advantage cards the sylvan library is the big one i think dark confidant you can handle because you've got swords to plowshares right but like i just i just don't know like what delver deck i expect not to have sylvan library at this point if people are playing like rug and 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 bug and and things like that right like it's just for me it's like it's like super stressful because like a resolve sylvan library that gets to untap you don't win those games you just don't you could try. You could think you do, but you, you very like crazy things have to happen for you to win those games, um, and that's probably the reason why that people are playing is because it's just such a house in those matchups. So, I I like what the deck is trying to do, but I think there are very, very, very serious problems in Bant that I personally would look to another color to to mediate, like. Like for this deck, for example, I wouldn't want to play against like Show and Tell, right? This deck, for example, I wouldn't want to play against Doomsday. Um, I I will say one thing though, which is that in terms of control, there are a couple of cards that I've noticed that have been overperforming lately. So the first one I'm going to give credit to is Veil of Summer. I think Veil of Summer is absolutely incredible right now. A lot of people are trying out these abrupt decay based control decks, and having Veil of Summer to just like shit on that, like just straight up like I don't know, like destroy that card. And those decks is really, really nice. And then there's also one card that I ex kind of think I... I think this deserves to see a little bit more play, but it's Monastery Mentor. I think Mon Monastery Mentor and Uro together, pretty powerful stuff because... Excuse me. Because you... Liz, can you edit that out? <laughs> I just like burped into this. <laughs> I just like burped. <laughs> it's the Coke with coffee. What do you want from me? It's it's makes me gassy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> But anyways, I was going to say, um, yeah, the combination of Uro and Monastery Mentor, it, it seems pretty good, right? Because one of the reasons why Mentor has been awkward before against Delver specifically, right, is um, it's an expensive threat. Three mana is is very expensive. And not on, not just that. You have to have three mana, but then four and five to, like, have two instants up to play around something like a Lightning Bolt or, you know, like, to play through, like, days and then have some spells after that. You just don't have mana available, right? But Uro lets you ramp out, and I think that is so important because being able to go, like, turn three Uro into, like, a turn four Mentor with, like, Brainstorm and, like, a something else up is, 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 is just good. I... Maybe that's not just the only reason why, but it really mentor really has felt like it's been doing work. It's also just been closing games. I think that's one thing that I've noticed too is that the way that I build my decks in particular, uh, I love Sylvan Library and I love Uro, but then 
if those are your only two win conditions or if Uro is your only win condition, you know, that you're just setting yourself up to get exploited extremely hard, whether it be through things like Surgical on Uro in post-board games or Caracas. Like, I I had to put Mentor into my deck because otherwise I literally could not beat the card Caracas outside of, like, attacking mm-hmm. with Hull Breachers. And, by the way, I think I'm going to finally, like, throw the towel in. I think the Days Undoing deck might be gone um, from this metagame specifically just because, well... As much as I love it and as much as I want it to work, I just feel like uh, the metagame shifted after Astrolabe got banned. And whatever metagame we're in right now, it just doesn't feel like Hullbreacher is that good of a card, right? Like, it, I think when people cut the Astrolabes from their deck, now there's like fewer like residual cards that like, just get left hanging in your opponent's hand. Now, that, I don't think that's the only reason, but uh, it is certainly a big reason. And then also just not having access to clean mana, I think, complicates things like because now I can't play like you know, Teferi alongside, you know, red and green, green and all this and all that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just a lot more. So, so in terms of playing control, you still like the Bant Colors, it sounds like, even though you, you were saying it it lacked something for a Sylvan Library. Uh, I mean, obviously in the board, you can play, you know, one mana answers to Library, but they're fairly narrow and don't usually deal with Chalice of the Void, which is another big problem. But yeah, I, I don't know. What, what do you think are the best uh, control colors? No, it's just Bant. I think it's just Bant, but I'm not happy okay. with Bant at all. I would, I, if I if I personally played Bant in an event, I do not think I would win that event. So, are you saying that you know, as an uber competitive player, you would start gravitating towards you know, Sylvan Library or Delver? Like that's what that's like potentially yeah. you you think that's your best chance of winning you know yeah. these next few weeks? Hundred percent, yeah. And the only reason that I'm like not even like like upset about it is because, like it, it's. The Delver Uro library pile is basically just rug mid-range, but in, instead of like, so look, the problem with rug is like, you just don't have good answers to everything, right? Like, what do you do against Marilage? Well, uh, Aqua, Dead what Gun, are you... what are you talking about? <laughs> Two Dead Guns. I heard Bob was talking about Forkbolt, and I was like thinking Dead, the thing I like about Dead Gun, I'll just say one thing about Forkbolt, like it's a good card and everything, but sorceries are awkward, you know what I mean? Because like, See, yeah, dead... I, I actually disagree, because like, if you're not playing Preordain, like, if you don't draw ponder, your goyfs are not that great. But usually, I mean, when you're playing a blue mirror, usually one player has ponder. But uh, I don't know. I just think uh, having an extra sorcery or two is not the end of the world. Well, the thing the thing I found with fork bolt is like sometimes like if it's turn one, and you don't, and you might want to play a removal like being an instant speed removal spell is like so good when you play against elves and they have like, I mean obviously well I guess fork bolt is better against elves because they're elves. But being an instant is so good when they have like. Uh, Acer Viler, if you want to play a removal spell on their end step, or like it's just it's way more flexible when it's an instant. But I mean, I think Fork Bolt's fine too. But but the I I I'm, I like Dead God. I think that card's a bit underrated because I don't see people play that much. And I I basically always play two in Delver. Like the only time I stopped was when Dreadhorde Arcanist was legal. But I always just play two of that card um, because I find yeah you can have trouble answering Dark Depths. But if you just have Dead Gone, it's just the uh, I find it's pretty handy because I well I, the I other just card, always, yeah. the other card that you talked about too was playing a braid main and I, I thought most Delver decks had moved to playing brazen borrower over the abrades because it, it's sort of like a flexible answer like it kills merit lodge too um, it's it's not as good against chalice but hey it's a threat so wait wait uh, I think there's a missing advantage. piece of information here that we haven't mentioned is that Daniel's de- rug deck list doesn't have two copies of Dead Gone. It doesn't have three copies. It has the full four copies of Dead Gone in the 75. Which No, pop- I have two, right? I saw two on the sideboard, dude. No, two that's the- Rough Tumble. That's Rough Tumble? Yeah, <laughs> you dude. just went 4-1 with four Dead Gods? I just went 4-1 with four. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
No, it was rough tumble because I had Blazing Volley, but then I, uh, I I noticed Mono Red Stompy was kind of getting popular, and it's like rough tumble seems to be this matchup. Wait a minute! So. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I registered. I was like, okay, you know what? This is the power of the big brain. I was like, ah, right, you know, Daniel's on something here, but he's <laughs> I'm Daniel. glad that you would follow me to the four dead gun. That's good. That's good loyalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw like, like the slash slash, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's just four more dead guns. Just I was like, yeah, in. why are we playing Rough Tumble? That that seems like a really good card here. But all right, you know, I feel the four dead guns, and I actually boarded in dead guns like you know three and four, and okay, well, this is really awkward then. Okay, I, I guess uh, yeah, you know, like, but that, wow, Delver Secrets never survives against me. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's the it's the Rough Tumbles, but or yeah, I was just gonna say like this, or sorry, um, yeah, I was just gonna say like I the reason I like the red combination a lot is because. Or the reason to be Delver, because sometimes people see these like mid-range Delver decks and they're like, why are they Delver exactly? Like, why don't you just go to a full mid-range deck? But I actually think the power is in days. Like, I think that card's kind of, I don't know if it's underappreciated, but I never hear people talk about it in ban talks. Like, recently we had, I mean, I'm not saying to ban days. I'm not like uh, Bob, you know, tweeting, let's ban this. I'm trying to, you know, keep the cards I like. Whoa, you know I'm shots fired. I tried to, I'm not trying to say let's ban our own. I'm trying to say Bob's like, not yeah, the only like, person who said that before, by the way. No, yeah, I'm just trolling, but... I, I just meant, like, I think Days is kind of, like, when Arcanist was banned, I'm pretty sure Days is just a way better card than Arcanist. Like, the only reason you would, you would, um, I can elaborate on that, like, a little bit, but I mean, like, the only reason, like, Days would be legal is because it's part of the identity of Legacy cards, like Lion's Eye Diamond and Ancient Tomb and Wasteland and Brainstorm. Like, Days is kind of in that. Yeah, those cards are all, all fucked up, and if they came out during the Fire Era, we would be, like, losing our shit. Um, <laughs> but because they're our, our favorite fucked up toys that we, you know, have a special place in our heart for, for us. And I think that's, that's fine. That's just kind of humans. You know, you, you like the food you liked as a kid, et cetera, et cetera. We like the legacy the way it used to be. And so I, I mean, I agree with you and there have been some, you know, high profile names who have, have called for days to be banned. Uh, namely I'm thinking of Rodrigo Togores, but definitely they are in the minority. Eli Cassie, uh, Oh, yep. Eli, Eli also called for it, um, you know, a while back. Like 2017 um, when he won the Open. Yeah. yeah. So, what? I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. Like, these cards are absurdly powerful. Um, and usually, you know, the counterpoint people say is, oh, hey, you know, this card has been around forever. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, A, it wasn't, it wasn't always played. And B, people have found ways to beat it and Delver. And it's true, you can find ways to make Days a bad card. Um, but that being said, it is one of kind of the you know fundamental broken things uh, in Legacy. Yeah, I mean, when I was talking, or was, I was saying when I was talking about Days being banned or banworthy, what I mean to say by that is like this is like uh, this is like the reason to play Delver. Like the reason Arcanist was banned is because I think Days plus Arcanist was absurd. Because even if your opponent had a one mana removal spell, they didn't. Ha- they didn't have. That's not a good way to beat Arcanist Days if they're on the draw. Because if you go turn two, play Arcanist on the, with Days on the play, and they have a one-mana removal spell. If they play their one-mana removal spell on turn one, like Plow, and you Daze it, they lose. If they untap, they also lose, because now they just wasted two mana because they're playing around Days. Like, Days is actually just absurd. Like, I think this card is just, like, this is why I think, like, Delver is so uh, good as a strategy, because Delver enables you to play Days because your curve is so low. Also, like, you might look at a controller mid-range deck, and he- here's the problem with these decks. Their curve is, like, really high and all over the place, which means that... The fact that Delver every spells like one or two mana means you don't really have you you double spell easily. Your turns are really smooth. You're good at casting your spells, you're, and all your plays are pretty relevant. Whereas when you start playing like mid range or controlling decks, it's like you fall behind to ancient tomb decks more easily because they can get ahead of you more easily. Or like 
it's just harder to cast all your spells as quickly and like Del it's and Delver doesn't run out of spells that easily so like the downside of being all low curve isn't doesn't really catch up like being all cheap spells I mean that's just kind of my playstyle in general I'm biased like you'll see yeah that's the same list I registered for the mocks it's the same philosophy it's all cheap spells so um but basically what I meant to say is like daze is a unique powerful thing to do like that's that's the reason that's like the reason to build your deck in the way like daze is so powerful but it kind of like I think it gets under uh, appreciated a bit because it's so I don't know ubiquitous I don't know if that's the right word it's so like normalized in legacy but it's actually absurd like if you think about like the way games play out days is just like it's absurd that your opponent it's has ridiculous, to like dude it literally yeah. breaks the concept of like mana it makes mana so asymmetric but then again like that's like all decks and all the best decks in legacy do that in some capacity right like mm -hmm. you know delver has days chalice decks have ancient tomb you know control had terminus until that became unplayable like and that's one of the reasons why i think control is also just like True control is only really playable with Terminus because you need ways to capitalize on mana, but that's a conversation for later. The other thing that I want to point out is, is like, like you could try like playing rugged midrange, like take out the Delvers or whatever. But I feel like it's, it's just sort of like honing in what you said, Daniel, is that you just you just fall behind against so many decks, right? And like, even if your plan at the end of the day is to just go Sylvan Library plus Uro, shoving a Delver onto the table on turn one means that like you force them to do things like you don't care about the Delver. Like if it crosses the finish line, sweet, but you don't actually care about the Delver. What you really care about is Sylvan Library and Uro, but you need to like distract your opponent with a Delver that's going to kill them. Whereas when you're playing like control, right? Like if I play Sylvan Library on turn two, it's just going to get abrupt decayed because I didn't do anything on turn one to, you know, divert their eyes or, you know, rearrange their focus or something like that. It's, 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 it just feels like having that sort of like proactive threat is very nice. Uh, because and, yeah, it dictates the pace of the game. It also plays really well with wasteland. Like, like if you if you if your hand like it gives a direction to your wastelands where you go like turn one Delver, turn two Delver wasteland. That's just like ridiculously powerful, and you're just using this Delver, this card that like it's it's not like a you know power nine card or whatever, but it's just like this creature. Like it enables these really strong draws, and it, it also enables days really well. And it's just like really fast, good pressure. It's kind of like I mean that's what I've heard like some people like Lawrence Harmon say it or. That's how I kind of think. It's kind of like a Jun's Tarmogoyf, where it's this creature you play that's cheap. It puts pressure on the opponent, so you can use your other spells to use it to generate an advantage. Because when Delver's in play, you get an advantage every turn by attacking them for three. So then cards like Days and Wasteland and Bolt all get a bit better. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think I think we've talked enough about Delver, um, and I do want to kind of move on and, and talk about the mocks as well. Um, but maybe before we do that, uh, maybe we, if you guys have any other thoughts on kind of, you know, State of Legacy, other good decks outside of Delver uh, in the current meta. Jack Kitchen 9 0 with Painter. Yeah, he did. He beat me on the way. And I just, I felt like a doofus because uh, <laughs> Surgical Extraction is one of the absolute best cards against them. And I just forgot to bring it in. What? It's probably oh, because no. I'm been you know, really rusty and then you know game two i see myself staring down a board of goblin welder goblin engineer with a bunch of uh removal spells in my hand and then they just combo me very easily and i was like okay yeah i, I definitely uh messed that art but uh yeah he's a really good player and uh, he's been doing really really well with painter maybe it's a, a good choice but uh i would suspect that it's more likely it's just a i good think it's just jack kitchen jack. is a busted painter <laughs> player yeah exactly yeah, I know um, Stefan's told me he played Death and Taxes was black in this event because he thought that Plague Engineer is good against Elves. He said that uh, he was a bit rusty in Legacy, so he he was, uh, he was he, he didn't play as well as he thought he needed to. But yeah, there's, so that's definitely a deck. There's a lot of combo decks right now. 
you know, that are kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, that I think are interested. Also, like I see more people are playing mono red stompy or like depths or the format is just a, a lot more open. I think I even see some people were talking about ninjas and, and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, one's interesting. Um, I think, yeah, the combo decks, if you find like a combo deck that the Delver decks are not ready for in a given weekend, that can be a good place to be. But it, it also depends on how wide open the metagame is. Like, if the metagame, if it's, you know, after two or three weeks, you know, Daniel broke the format again, everybody's on this team or Delver with, with Sylvan Library uh, stuff, then a deck like Hogak becomes good. I think, you know, last weekend, people were still playing enough different decks that a deck like Hogak, sure, you might be favored against the top few decks, but uh, it just could take a while to get there. Um, but maybe in a few weeks when the metagame condenses, Hogak is another really strong deck. Because um, Hogak, I always felt like as a Delver player, there, you couldn't really be favored against Hogak unless you just dedicated like uh, an insane amount of slots or played something like Leia out of the Void. Like you could definitely beat Hogak, but it was you weren't going to be favored against it. Was um, my thoughts on that. So uh, and then obviously like if Delver players are not playing you know enough answers to Merit Lodge, um, then maybe something like Depths could be good. Um, so it, it kind of is like there is maybe a combo deck of the week that could be good. I'm yeah, wait, this is blowing guns. my mind. I'm seeing multiple copies of Cryptic Command at the top 32 of this event. What the hell is going on in this format now? Well, those are just modern players, so they're probably just bringing their Cryptic from modern. They have Sanctuary. It, it was Bullwinkle, the other one was Cryptic. Yeah, I guess they are yeah, modern players, yeah. Yeah, actually, I played against Bullwin Cole in the event. I was going to say Triple Carpet of Flowers was pretty decent against me. I, I ended up winning the match, but it may, it, Carpet of Flowers is just a good card. I mean, obviously, if you play any Blue Mirrors, it's literally just makes Wait, Triple Carpet of Flowers is actually bad in that matchup, I will tell you there. Uh, the first one is good, but then having like 25 mana sources in your deck is not a winning recipe against Delver, especially when they have Sylvan Library. I guess you have to keep your Sylvan Libraries in, but then you have to like gain life with Uro, and then you have to play around with things like Surgical. It's just like a huge mess. But yeah, anyways, um, Daniel, wrap up with some thoughts, and then we'll move on to the mocks. Yeah. I just want to, yeah, I wanted to say I saw one person, because when I mentioned Arcanist Band, they said that they thought that uh, it wasn't the counter. It was like the reason Arcanist was too good in Legacy was because of like Ponder and Brainstorm, and that like that's why it's not that good in Modern. But I would disagree. Like I think the reason Arcanist doesn't see that much playing Modern is because you don't have Days and Force of Will and Wasteland to protect, to, to protect it. And also in modern, um, I mean the cantrips are worse. Obviously the cantrips make it better, but I think it's basically the free counter spells. Also people play, I don't know, maybe they don't play that much more removal in modern, but maybe they do. I'm a, I have to look closely, but yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so what's the next topic, Bog? Uh, yeah, let's discuss this weekend's mocks. It's going to be you know modern and vintage tube, as we kind of alluded to. Uh, so Daniel. We know you're playing in it. Uh, we know decklists are public, but I guess they haven't been shared yet. Are you comfortable talking about your deck? I don't know. Maybe I should. Uh, I don't know. Let me think. Uh, we could talk about the modern format. It's good. It's good. My deck's too spicy. You know what I mean? Let's just say uh, it's similar to what <laughs> Wait, I normally play. Wait, before we even talk about decks, okay, can we just okay. take a look at the sheet? So Randy Boiler posted a really Man, interesting Bueller? player. Huh? I think he said Boiler. Sorry to be. Uh, oh, I didn't want to. Yeah. It's Bueller, bro. Bueller, I thought it was Boiler. My bad, Bueller. Because I, I know you have Randy connections. I, want, Dude, you know, well, I should actually no. I, I can't even pull like the I'm not white card. I get away with this. Whatever. Okay. Anyways, um, uh, why is it pronounced that way? Wait, B O because it's U E. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 I got you. I got you. Anyways, Randy posted this sweet um fact sheet. So just go to his Twitter if you haven't already. Um, that's R Bueller, 
at at Arbular. Okay, sweet. And you can find it. And it's got like a lot of information about all the players. I think the craziest fact to me is two crazy facts, actually. The first crazy fact is that your boy Daniel Goshel has the highest modern win percentage out of all 16 competitors this weekend. And that includes two PT winners. Winners! Two PT winners. Uh, you've got a better modern record. And then also, this is the craziest one. One of them one. won a modern PT. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Del Moral, Leon. Who's the other PT winner? Uh, JMM. Yeah, Jan Moritz uh, Merkel, I think. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know they won a PT as well. What, what PT did they win? Like Kobe uh, in two thousand six. Oh, okay, so it was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still, still, I mean, still, like a PT win is a PT win. But anyways, um, this is what blows my mind. Did you? It's seventeen thousand matches of Magic played by Antonio <laughs> Del Moraleon, and then Daniel's got almost fourteen thousand matches. How long have you even been playing Magic, Daniel? Don't uh, don't ask these questions. So let's go. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Is this? Oh uh, my you can mom see that answer this. right on the spreadsheet. It says account oh. created in June 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. Uh, are you guys can keep talking, but I'm gonna do some quick maths uh, and try to. No, 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 no. Let's do the quick math together. It's day. been less than f it's about been like five and a half years. Okay, so thirteen thousand. They're thirteen point eight divided so by. So two thousand days. That's two thousand days. So thirteen thousand divided by two thousand. Six days. and a half years, right? That is. So you play six and a half matches a day. <laughs> two thousand five hundred matches a year. Holy shit, dude! No wonder you're so fucking goaded. Like you're just you're just insane. That's so crazy. Okay, but but again, it's not even just about the like yeah. Any doofus can get on a laptop and play six matches a day. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure if they can. It's definitely a fun with just like speed run twenty thousand matches. Let's go. <laughs> but uh, his win rate is ridiculous. He has the highest modern win rate and highest overall win rate. His overall win rate is higher than his modern win rate. Oh um, probably because he plays Legacy. Uh, but. <laughs> Hold on, yeah, I didn't even dig into these numbers that hard, but now that I now that I'm looking at them, I'm just like, Ooh. all right, Savant, we're calling you a Savant from now on. No, no, you, do, you want me to explain? So just to put this in perspective, another player, so Martin Eric Gauthier, uh, started playing Magic Online literally the day it was created in 2002, and this person only has about half the number of matches that Matt that Daniel has played. That crazy perspective speaking of the other interesting <laughs> fact is one of the mox uh, competitors uh, on day two daria martins like literally created her account um in november of last year it's literally only been four months since this person started playing uh mtgo and they queued for this event that's so crazy that is just so crazy like you have to be like just like sickly talented to do that i think i don't know yeah that is pretty cool um, how is this data collected though? That's a really good question. So this data is all available like from like, I mean like Watsi has all the numbers, right? So they've got all the, the backend UI data stuff. And then on the other side here, uh, in terms of like, there's a couple like, like a questionnaire, if you will, that, um, people that, that I guess Randy sent out to the players and they all responded here. So for example, please describe your play style in one to two sentences. It can, uh, refer to, uh, it can reference deck building, preparation style, pretty much anything to give us an idea of who you are as a magic player and not, so Daniel won one of the legacy mox qualifiers, but the other person who won the other mox qualifier for season three, who is Keisuke Komatsu just said, Uro. 
That's it. That's all they said. They, and people, other people in here are like, oh, I will, you know, I love playing aggressive decks and it really just speaks to me as a person. So I'll really look for, you know, this and this and that. This, this, no, just Uro. One word. Period. Nothing. And I, honestly, I'm about that. that. That's, you know, banned. But yeah, I'm about that. Uh, yeah, I well, understand I, the Earl play style. That, that was a good answer. I wonder if there was maybe a little bit of a language barrier there, and maybe uh, maybe they misunderstood. But you know, either way, either way, <laughs> um, Daniel's answer was also great, though. He said, uh, "Blue mid-range player maybe strives to win the most possible by understanding what can be understood <laughs> to make the best plays." And I'm, I'm just here out here like thinking about this sentence and being like, "Wow." <laughs> So humble. He he doesn't try to understand what cannot be understood, but he does try to understand what can be understood to make the best plays. Dude, so that, I, that that really speaks to me, Daniel. Daniel, what is your major like in school or whatever? Like philosophy, like ethics, like, like... anthropology, art, oh, art my... history, right? Hmm? Yeah, I switched uh, to it was uh, wasn't what I thought it would be, so I switched to anthropology. Yeah. Very, okay. very pensive. And then, like, when you, for what are your hobbies and passions in life outside of magic, you wrote <laughs> thinking, like daydreaming of music, films, literature, or whatever may be of interest to me. You, you're just literally. That's a way of saying I'm lazy and I don't like to do anything. You're literally the most adorable. <laughs> I had to, it's like, I don't, I like to sit around and do nothing, but I, had, I would put a spin on it. You know what I mean? So I said thinking, because that's what you do when you're sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there's a lot of sweet information here. Just getting to like know the people, the players and things like that. Like, you know, they ask questions about movies, TV shows, like music. I feel mm -hmm. like Randy did a pretty good job here. Just I, I like I think these kind of things is also pretty interest, interesting to hear about because one of the things that like magic coverage really, really needs desperately, like really desperately is just like the capacity to create narratives. I think Grand Prix don't really like they do and they don't do a good job at it because the Grand Prix are like individually isolated events. Um, so, you know, you get lost in the sauce, like trying to track the 13 and 0 player, but then like, what about the next event, right? Like what happens to this person? So I don't know. It just feels like, uh, it feels like all this sort of like backend information. It definitely is something that, you know, takes multiple events and you, you definitely want the personalities like the Andrea Mangucci's, the ambassadors for magic. And, and that definitely is uh, a key aspect. Um, but yeah, let's, uh. Yeah, there there are definitely a lot of things to say about kind of how to improve magic as a as an esport. Um, but let's let's go back to the the mock specifically. Sure. Um, one of your answers, Daniel, I, I thought was interesting and, and maybe should be further explained. Um, which was you know what does playing in this event mean to you? And you said you know I did the moto thing, uh, a simple sentence, but it carries a great weight in my mind. And you you gave a similar answer for another question. And so you know. Can you explain to us what you mean by that? Uh, you know, what is Moto to you? Like, why is this kind of um, maybe the culmination of, of a lot of work and efforts? Yeah, well, what I meant was I first got interested in the mocks when I saw the leaderboard. Well, when I first installed Moto back in 2015 or something, I noticed on the website there was a leaderboard, and I didn't really know what that was about. So I was kind of like, what's, what's a leaderboard for Moto? Is this when I play leagues or whatever? And then, so then I saw what the mocks was, but I wasn't really interested in queuing back then, but I, I was like, oh, there's a leaderboard. I want to be on it or whatever. But then um, I think around 2018 or 2019, I got kind of interested in queuing for the mocks leaderboard because I started playing a lot of those mocks monthlies when they were six twos. 
And I actually, um, the year of 2019, the last year they had the leaderboard, I think I, w- I finished like pretty close to top eight of the leaderboard. I think I finished like 10th or 11th. I think it was like 9th or 10th place going into last weekend. And then I went like 03 drop or something. So I finished like 12th or 13th. But I was pretty close to uh, the top eight of the leaderboard that year before they took it away. So I was basically what I wanted. And I, uh, what I wanted to say was uh, I got very interested to qualify for the mocks because I like sweet prizes and money and I like winning. So I was like, so if I win, I get sweet prizes. So I got very interested in the mock. So I wanted to qualify for it. So it was kind of a goal of me. I also liked that they had all the stats. I kind of, I wasn't, in, recently, I wasn't as interested in the stats, but like a few years ago, I was I was super interested in it. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I just wanted to qualify for the mock. So it was like a goal for me. It was like, I play a lot of moto. Obviously, you could see I play like six matches a day or whatever. So I was like, okay, I want to like do the, you know, I want to I want to win on the program. So this is the thing to win on the program. So that's why it was uh, interesting to me uh, in this way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us. Um kind of about the stats like I, I assume you hadn't seen your stats before this um what about it like jumps out to you or surprises you well i it was i wasn't sure what it was going to be honestly because i changed my approach to magic changes a lot every year like every week i feel like i was a bad player the previous week um you know what i mean like if i think about myself like two years ago i'm like i can't even like it's painful to think about it even last week i'm like oh my so i i changed a lot as a player so i honestly like, if I think back to when I was, like, first installed Moto, I don't even know what I was thinking. Even just a few years ago, I don't even... I mean, I know what I was thinking, but I'm like, how could I think so much nothing? Like, what was all the nothing going on in my head? Like, um, so I didn't really... Well, I, I knew my win rate had to be, like, okay, because I didn't really... When I was new to Moto, I didn't really have, like, you know, money to put into it. So I needed to win enough that, like, I wouldn't, like... I couldn't really, like, lose that much because I couldn't really, like, put more money into it because I was just in high school or whatever. So I knew it couldn't be too bad, but I, I, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I knew, I mean, I was the one playing the game, so I kind of had an idea of how much I was winning or whatever. So I didn't, I, I didn't really know what my win, uh, my win rate would be, but I was glad when I saw it was, uh, it was uh, strong in the field. I, I felt really good because I was like, I was like, mm-hmm. again, like I, I started playing uh, a lot of magic online, like when I was like 15 or 16 or 17. And I was like, just like make it, it was a lot looser than at least now. So I could have, uh, I wouldn't have necessarily expected it to be uh, stronger in the field. So that's what I was happy to see that despite my, even in my uh, useful years, I was uh, able to have a decent win rate overall. Youthful years. Uh, did you know that you are the youngest person in the field at the age of 20? Yeah, I saw that too. I'm representing the Zoomers, I guess. I know there's a lot of Zoomers on Twitter. Nice, so nice. I'm I I, I got to rep rep the Zoomer crew. I don't I don't even know if there's another Zoomer. Maybe I guess um Adam uh Mr. Jekyll is a Zoomer and maybe yeah, Dylan. Yeah, looks is like a there's Zoomer. another person who's 22. Dylan Dylan is He's on the border. 23. So yeah, he's yeah, he's he's a Zoomer. We can give it give that to him. Um, and maybe the uh, the Uro guy, the Japanese guy might be a Zoomer, but I'm not sure. He's he's just on the border. He's he's exactly on the border. And also Pete, like Pete, there's a couple people just on the border, but yeah, I mean the, the Zoomers are really the, the uh, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that, that's of... actually one of the coolest things about Magic is it's not really, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, experience matters. You know, Paulo is one of the best players in the world, and, you know, he's more my generation, if you will. But um, you always get these stories, right, of these 18-year-olds who come out and crush a tournament and then, like, become kind of the next big thing in Magic. So I think that is that is, like, 
really awesome that you don't need to be like, you know, five years experienced or whatever to do well in an event. Um, and I love like kind of the narrative aspect of that. Like, so I'm happy about that. Um, looking at some of these other stats though, I'm looking at um, JMM who's won a PT. Uh, his vintage cube win percentage is 73.6% over 163 matches. That is the highest win percentage that we see in this table. And that is really scary. Um, I'm just talking about the win percentages more generally, like it looks like basically, you know, 63% is a very good win rate. Um, if you're talking about over the course of kind of all of your matches and sure every once in a while, you're going to find like a busted deck that you can maybe win 80% uh, with. But, um, I think people are always asking, you know, what's a good win percentage over, you know, time. And it sounds like we have our answer. It's like 60, 63% is a very good win percentage over, uh, long quantities of time. So I'm glad we kind of see that here. Yeah, I also find it interesting to see the dates created because JMM won a PT in 2006. And it's like, I wonder, it's like five years later, he's like, time to make an account on Moto. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Like, he's made <laughs> yeah, it on Moto's 2011. Not for everyone, you know, like a lot of people like the tactile aspect of playing in paper. Obviously, that's uh, harder to do right now during a pandemic, but yeah, it'll, it'll that's be what, back. That's what I find funny about uh, the Russian player Daria who made their account in November. They're probably like, I don't know if they're like new to Magic or they used to play, but it kind of it, it feels like it's somebody who probably played Magic in paper, and then they're like, okay, I'm bored enough in, in during COVID, so I'll just make a Moto account, I guess. And then they're like, play one tournament and win. They're like, yeah, I guess uh, I'll just win. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if yeah. they're new or not, but that's kind of uh, the, the vibe I guess. I, like, I like that I she guess, has yeah. 116 matches, which um, is definitely the lowest. Wait, no, Dario started playing in 2020. Okay, but oh, did it's they less say that? than one percent of your matches, Daniel. Um, but also she has zero <laughs> modern or vintage cube matches. So, uh, you know, I'm sure she, she's putting in uh, her prep for this, but I'm excited to see kind of, uh, how does she that does mean that she's a hundred times better than Daniel? That's a terrifying thought, by the way. Yeah. It took her one, one hundredth of the time to, to qualify. So, yeah. Well, every Russian player I know is really good. I'm talking about my neighbor, Isaac right there. So they're definitely scary. You know what I mean? He also has like, he does it. He has like a low, like he's played 10 GPs and has like three top eights. It's kind of similar, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't play that much, but has like insane results when he does, you know what I mean? Similar vibes. True. Yeah, that's... Uh, it might be Russian culture to win a lot, you know? Yeah. All right, Daniel, do you have any closing thoughts? Because I have one crazy last thing that I want to say uh, before before we wrap up. Uh -huh. No, really, I just want to uh, say, yeah, I'm definitely pretty excited. It's, de it's definitely kind of interesting, and I'll uh, try and queue again in the future and, and see how it goes. Definitely, I, also, yeah, about Vintage Cube, I would say, and the win rates. Like I was saying, like I think I evolve a lot as a player over time, so your win rate can really fluctuate with where you're at as a player. And especially with Vintage Cube, yeah, I, I think it should be interesting because I, I feel pretty comfortable in the format, I think. And, but, but I'm definitely vintage cube. Uh, there's very limited coverage because I was trying to prepare by finding limited cube coverage in the past and stuff, and there's very limited coverage. So I'm definitely uh, interested to see more, just in general, like uh, how it's going to go, how people are, what, you know, how, what cards people Has are going to take. Has the cube changed a lot since you know last year, or is it like fairly similar? Um, a, a little bit of cards. I mean. I don't know if you mean last year or you mean like three years ago when you say last year. I would say since three years, since since El Drain came out, it's probably changed a lot because they added like Oko, which is really powerful. And they, they've they added all these like commander cards. So like if you mean last year by like three years ago, probably a decent amount. But um, 
it always just changes by a few cards every year, so it's mm-hmm. nothing too crazy. But definitely, like, if you haven't played Cube in a while, like, there's these new commander cards that are really busted. I don't know if you know what Fractured Identity does, Bob. Do you know that card? Vaguely. It's yeah, busted. That, like, pick it, pick it, that's pick a, it, take it, take it. That's pick a it. card people consider, like, on, like, Jace the Mind Sculptor levels. It, it's basically, like, mind can. It's like a blue, white, and five mana. It says like exile. It's a sorcery, like exile something, and you make a copy of it. So it's basically a mind control, except it hits any permanent, and they can't like interact with it by disenchanting it. And most people value it like maybe around Jace the Mind Sculptor level. And like people say, Oko's most pe- almost everybody says Oko is better than Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like the only reason is Jace monocolored. So there's kind of new crazy powerful cards, and some win cons are more powerful. I mean, I'm pretty sure Uro is in the cube. It's not like crazy powerful, but just like. It's pretty good, I guess, kind of, like, it could be a decent finisher, or, like, there's definitely, like, it's mostly, like, there's these commander cards that are pretty powerful, like Fractured Identity, and there's cards like Oko that are new, so there's some new cards in, in this way that are pretty impactful, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to wrap up here. My last little bit in is uh, part of coverage. I've finally joined the coverage Discord, and I can officially say that I'm in a coverage Discord with DEC Squid the Goat. That's crazy. <laughs> No, no takers. Yeah, I know. When I I joined the Discord, the Mox Discord, and it had I'm not gonna say it because I don't know if it's like saying Batman's first name or something, but I it had <laughs> DEC Squid's first name, and I'm like, okay, so that now blew all the balls are my mind, up. dude. Because DEC Squid is like, is like the goat. The OG. When it come, the OG. Yeah, like the like everything I ever wanted in life was just to be like DEC Squid, and uh, so anyway. it's like these DECs are are real people, not just uh, ten dimensional robots floating around Moto. What happened to orcs, by the way? What do they even stand for? I forget. Anyways, whatever it is. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much for for tuning in and listening. I guess we'll have like a post-mox discussion as well and then some more legacy updates as they come and go. Um, So looking forward to that. But you guys already know the deal here. If you want to, you know, talk to us, chat about this episode or anything like that, just hit us up at Elo Punters on Twitter or bother Bob at Gristlepuff. That's also acceptable. I like that a lot. Uh, All right, this is Anurag. Check it out. Bye, guys. Peace.